This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Welcome, one and all, all and one, to Five on Three, WFUV's best if only hockey podcast. I'm your A-host, Nick Palmer, alongside James the Jet Burley and Lou the Lad Orlando. <laughs> the end of the hockey season is here. Games wrap up today. The playoff bracket is almost set. We're just waiting on uh, one or two games in the West. And I'm here with my best friends. Aww. I will toss this to you first, Jamesy. What's crack a Well, what's crack a is that we're two games away from the finalization of the uh, regular season, and that means playoff time. And normally that's when I turn away from the TV and I click off NHL Network and I turn on the soccer channels and the baseball channels, and uh, that's not happening this year. No, it is not. It's no. not happening for me. And I could not be more excited, y'all. So, yeah, I'm just happy to have something relevant to talk about from my own beat report. Um, and that excites me in ways you guys listening at home couldn't even imagine. It's the best. And, uh, Lou, I'll throw it over to you because I'm feeling great right now. You know, it's, it's a great time to be a hockey fan. I'm on a total of, let's call it, six total hours of sleep over the past two days. Um, so that's not great, but I'm like I'm actually like fired up, you energetic. Look great. Thank you. That means a lot. I'm excited to be here. Fordham class registration is awful. Let's throw that out there. Really, it really is bad. We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about how awesome hockey has been and how awesome New York hockey has been for the people listening. I'm wearing a I love New York shirt. I thought it was fitting because I do love New York, and right now New York should love hockey. You're right, and, and and you know you you were bringing up some bad news in your day, and I do want to get the bad news oh, let's get the out, bad of the news out of the way. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh yes, 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 this is right. Mm. So it is 17 years. No, it is 17. It's the Pittsburgh Penguins have missed the Stanley Cup playoffs courtesy of the New York Islanders. Uh, and they're also making some major front office changes. So on Friday, the Penguins announced they have fired their general manager, Ron Hextall, as well as the president of hockey operations, Brian Burke, and the assistant general manager, Chris Pryor. This is a top to bottom reset. I'll start with you, James. First of all, was this necessary? And second, where is this team going? Well, I think the with the expectations that the Pittsburgh Penguins have put upon themselves to be, you know, the, among the best of the best in the NHL, and if not, at least a playoff team. And they were in the mix till game 81 this year. Um, they shot themselves in the foot. They had the easiest ending schedule in the National Hockey League. So for them to come up short with, the players that they have on that team, you know, albeit aging, and it is, I think, more than comfortably you can say it's the end of the dynasty that we saw in the late 2000s, early 2010s, where Sidney Crosby um, had his fair share of Stanley Cups. And um, I think we haven't finished the chapter yet for Sidney Crosby's career, but I think when you think about the Pittsburgh Penguins, it all circles around him. And um, he was elite this year as you should expect from him even 
into his mid-30s now. He's still arguably top five hockey player all time, and he continues to be great. But when you have that and everything that's going on around it and you can't get the results, the business side of things, I think it was time to shake it up. And I think there's going to be some questions raised for Sullivan, too, at the head coaching position. We talked about this before we started the show. Only signed him a year ago to a new contract. Right. But well, how's that going to play out now when you're the Pittsburgh Penguins and you missed the playoffs? It's a bigger deal for them than it would be for most. Do you think sticking with Sullivan was the move, Lou? It's tough. I mean, listen, it's not just that they missed the playoffs. It's the way that they missed the playoffs. Mm. You go into Tuesday night, you play the Blackhawks, and you have Columbus on Thursday. Islanders just gifted you a, a lane into the playoffs that you probably shouldn't have even been in contention for, although I kind of did want to see Pittsburgh get in and get that Pittsburgh-Boston matchup. And instead, you lose to the Blackhawks, and it, it doesn't matter, but you lose to Columbus on Thursday as well. It's not, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter at that point, but it's just, what are we doing, Pittsburgh? And I, I, honestly, Pittsburgh's the only thing that's saving me from like bullying my Islander fan cousins. So it's like, I... I really wouldn't be surprised if we see the Penguins completely clear house. I mean, I know we've mm. already seen them to some degree. Like, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if they let they let go of Sullivan at this point too. I think that this team's going to look drastically different. I thought. I thought coming. I wasn't high on the Penguins coming into this year, but I thought you know this team's going to look drastically different and feel drastically different after this year, and that that's definitely the case. Do you think? I'll, I'll leave this for both of you. Do you guys think that maybe they waited a little too long? Do you think maybe? they thought their window was open longer than it was, and now they're going to start paying the cost of not having the young guys to keep that window open? I don't know. It, it's tough because I think you get into these, these situations where it's like when you have guys like Crosby and Malkin, I think you kind of saw, and it's kind of collapsing the same way with Washington too, where I think you buy into them and you go like, listen, these guys know that their careers are starting to come to an end. They're not in their prime anymore. Sure. Their lanes, their windows for playoff success are closing. I think Crosby knows that. I think Malkin knows that. And I think you kind of hope as a front office, like, these players realize that and put everything out there. And it's like, honestly, if you told me, like, hey, we are going to put our faith in Sidney Crosby and hope that he wills us to a playoffs, like, hard not hard not to go against that, right? He's made the playoffs in the first 16 years of his career. It's tough to go against Sidney Crosby. I, I think that, yeah, they definitely have probably prioritized keeping their stars mm-hmm. together for maybe a little longer than they should have. But if you look at every time they've had a deep playoff run, you think of, there's always a young player that was in the mix that played a big role. I think of Jake Gensel, particularly in 2017. I mean, he was the guy who was playing his way into the conversations with impact that you would get a kid from like Malkin and Crosby. And while that is true, at the same time, there, there were, these problems were all bubbling underneath the surface and it culminates in what, is a disaster for the Pittsburgh Penguins in that they didn't make the playoffs, but it is because they didn't address these issues sooner. And I mean, you look, and I'll give another example of a young player, Matt Murray, who was a very young goaltender in that run to the playoffs, basically took Marc Andre Fleury's position on the team from him, which yeah. is ridiculous. And then you think about he doesn't really pan out, and then they have a, you know, kind of a lifeline in goal with Tristan Jari, who's still been, I mean, not great this year. Not this year. But in, pa- in the past has been. A good stopgap, but it's just like temporary solutions to long-term problems, and it's a disaster for the Penguins that they missed the playoffs. I know a lot of other teams wouldn't call missing the playoffs a disaster, but like I said, the expectations that the Penguins have developed, um, not even just in the Crosby era, you go back to the Lemieux era, the Penguins are a multi-time dynasty in the National Hockey League, so this is 
Uh, this is a dark period in their history, and yeah. I'm, I'm sure they're going to right the ship eventually, but right now they're on the down. I do want to throw this out there because I think there is precedent to what we've seen from these dynasties. You look at the way Chicago ended up collapsing, where it's like sometimes it looks like the price of these dynasties is you're going to sign up these superstars to long-term contracts, and you're going to get caught at the end of it. I think Washington's in the same spot where Washington and Chicago and, and Pittsburgh chose to stay loyal to the stars that led them to these awesome dynasty runs, and now they're paying the price. Uh, I can't help but look towards the Rangers, and listen, they were not dynasty. I'm not even going to talk about them in the same light as what Pittsburgh, what Chicago, what even Washington was towards the latter half of the 2010s, but the Rangers were willing to get rid of the key pieces of those teams. You look at, they bailed on Zuccarello, they traded Miller, they traded McDonough. The way they treated Lundqvist, where it's like they ushered in the era of Igor, and they said you know, like, they loved Lundqvist. I'm sure they would have loved to have Lundqvist in net for the fans for as long as possible, but they realized that a new era of goaltending was coming, and Lundqvist signed with the Capitals. He didn't play because of his heart condition, but like they were fully willing to get rid of Lundqvist. I think you look at some of these other teams where it's like Washington said, like they're not going to tank. They're going to do whatever they can to make these last years for Ovechkin as competitive as possible. Like Sometimes you look at the, what the Rangers did, and yes, they had to sacrifice. Yet they had to go through what ended up being a brief rebuild, but a couple years where it wasn't pretty. But look at where they are now, and you can't help but think, like, Rangers feel really good about where they are. Pittsburgh, Chicago, Washington don't really feel the same way. You touched on the end of the dynasty of the Blackhawks, and I do want to get a quick blurb from each of you on Jonathan Taves, who took a lap around the Blackhawks' rink last night, I believe, and it it felt like he was retiring. He didn't say he's retiring. The official quote is, there's no timeline now. He says, there's no doubt a moment like that's hard to top. I think it's something that I'll let myself sink into with my family. The thought of playing for another team right now is so far in the back of my mind, especially after that nice moment he had last night. I thought I'd always retire a Blackhawk, and part of me still believes that, so we'll see. James, just touch on Jonathan Taves, his legacy, what he maybe lacked in the last couple of years of his, I'll just say, his career. And uh, do you think he's returning to the hockey world, or is this it? I think he plays another season of hockey, probably, in a non-rival city to Chicago. Hmm. So um, I think uh, you know a lot of teams would love to have the veteran presence that Jonathan Taves bring, and there's probably no one better at that than that guy because just think about what he's been able to do in Chicago. We talk about the dynasties. He was at the heart of that not necessarily the most talented player on that team, and that often made his contributions overlooked because he was playing next to Patrick Kane. People were like, well, Patrick Kane's the talented guy. Taves is the culture guy. Yeah, Taves was a point-per-game player pretty consistently, huge offensively, great great two ways, the kind of guy that every player wants on their team. Yeah, um, Yeah, I think, I think he does come back and play. It seems like he wasn't done with hockey. And I, I know it's not the first time that a legend will just go and play another year with another team. We saw Henrik Lundqvist was going to do that with the Capitals. Sure. Mark Tambrador did it with the Blues. I think Johnny Taze, we haven't seen the last of him. But Jonathan Quick. That was kind of out of his control. <laughs> he's, he's still playing he's still one more year. He's yeah, he's still kicking. And uh, I, think, I think Johnny T, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll run it back for another year. And, and if not, he's left behind a tremendous body of work that's going to make its way into the Hockey Hall of Fame one day. So Yeah, I think the Lundqvist comp's actually pretty good where I think if his if his health can get to the point where he can play another year, I know he's been dealing with that long COVID, but if, if he can get his health back, I think that's really the one 
factor. I think a big part of him does want to retire a Blackhawk. And when you think of the, these Blackhawk teams, it's it's Taves and Kane. It's it's still weird to see Kane in a Rangers jersey as a Rangers as a Rangers fan. But I think that that Kane situation felt different, where you kind of knew that he wanted it out from the beginning of the year, and he also you felt like he had a lot more to give than Taves did. Where you saw Taves, this fought kind of had been coming for the last couple of years. I also think right if he goes to somewhere that's a non-rival city, like that's not going to change his legacy. Like no one's never going to like think of him differently or think of him lesser because he spent one year in Vegas or something like that. And I think there will be interest in him, especially at a cheap contract to get that, again, that veteran presence in. When I think of those, those Blackhawk dynasty teams, I know Kane was awesome, but I kind of put them in the same light for how important they were for those runs. So really quickly, because I, no disrespect to you because you were there, the Rangers did play yesterday sure they did. against kind the of. Maple Leafs and no disrespect they kind of played game didn't matter oh the game did not matter Yaroslav Halak was in net uh I guess you can just sort of take over here what'd you see from them was there anything really of note that we need to take into the series against the Devils no one got hurt that and I think I, right. I, I literally I literally think that that was the goal I will say Kako had a beautiful goal oh my mm. god if you have the chance I don't know if you guys have watched that because you Oh, Artemi's little. I was sitting next to Samantha Boy. That was the first time we've done a Rangers game together. Cute. And like we were talking about the little bunny hop he did, combined with that beautiful backhand that Kako had, that gets you excited. That gets you like it gets you turned on. Let's let's be let's be upfront. It that's what you want to see. That's hot right there. And it's uh, the one thing I'll say. Right, the last ten games or so, Glant mentioned it in the post game, kind of hinted at it. Right, like. Rangers have known for a while that they're going to be the three seed in the Metro. Yes, there was a chance that they could have hopped the Devils at some point. But I think especially after they lost to the Devils in their final meeting of the season, you kind of realize, like, all right, we're not topping the Devils. We're the three seed. And the only thing, we can't control it, but who are we going to play? And Gallant gave credit to his guys and said, you know, like the last ten games, you know, especially the last five or six, we knew we were going to be the three seed. Like, we still went out there. We still played hard. Like, I was worried about that Buffalo game earlier in the week. I think it was a Monday where Buffalo's playing for their entire season. It doesn't matter for the Rangers. Rangers came out and played hard. When they came out against Toronto, it was almost like there was a gentleman's agreement, like, hey, we're not going to hit each other. Like, sure. we're, There's going to be no contact. We're just going to skate. We're going to get our Cardi win. There's going to be skill, and there was skill. And I think you saw some nice goals, but the goaltending wasn't super sharp. I think the quality of play wasn't super-duper sharp. And I think I, I think I tweeted this out. Like, I think that's kind of what both teams wanted. Like, No one wanted to see anyone get hurt. My heart stopped when... Skinner, or yeah, when Jeff Skinner on Buffalo hit Lingren in the face with a puck mm. in overtime, and Lingren skates off the ice, and you go, "Oh my god!" And then Lingren comes back out for the shootout. Like you don't want to see anyone get hurt. This is no. a Rangers team and a Leafs team that are filled with talent that are locked into these playoff stops that they just want to go on runs. And so I think both teams did exactly what they wanted to do. It's like I turned to Sam and I said, "This is the first time like I don't care about the loss. I'm glad it didn't go into overtime. I'm glad and you it, got to it enjoy it yourself. It almost did go into overtime. Hedl kicked a puck in." I don't know. Mm. Today, there's too much going on today to talk about how like just inconsistent the kicking rules are in the NHL with goals. Right. But like it's like it was a kick. All it, of, it was a kick. All of but the Devils had some goals disallowed against the Maple Leafs, man. That's I was gonna say all of our teams. I go back to the the Calgary one against the Rangers. That yes, that was upheld because it wasn't a kicking motion. It's like well, yes. if that's if that's a goal, then Heedles is a goal, and I don't think either are goals. Could someone remind me where the refs like video office is located? Uh, Canada somewhere? Toronto? Toronto. Toronto. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. That's a well, oh, it would be a conspiracy theory if the refs helped out the Leafs in the playoffs. But maybe the Leafs are maybe beyond saving. Maybe they're trying the Leafs. Maybe they're beyond saving. 
Speaking of a team that was beyond saving, the Washington Capitals did not make the playoffs this year, and the Devils put the final nail. Well, they were already in the coffin, but I guess the Devils just, you know, buried them another seven feet under instead of six. They won five to four Mm. yesterday uh, in overtime. And James Burley, how about the new Hughes? It's been a pretty crazy week for the New Jersey Devils. Jack Hughes tying the record early in the week, breaking the record later in the week. Oh, yeah. Luke Hughes debuting in the same night. Luke Hughes scoring the winner in OT in the next game as they come back from down 3 nothing and 4-1 to win 5-4 with four straight. That's, that's kind of like a good momentum push to finish the year heading into the playoffs. The Rangers had a great, consistent set of games heading into the playoffs, and that's probably better. But the Devils also had that. Had some tough times in March, but particularly in April, were really strong throughout. Tough loss to Boston, it, it kind of sticks out, and tough loss to Winnipeg as well. But the the Devils really have looked like the team that they were earlier in the season, and now they're coming in on a bunch of highs. So many accolades in the last few games. Mm-hmm. Luke Hughes is just you know the cherry on top of, of his brother breaking records. Vanacek breaking records, the team winning 52 games, the team getting 112 points. This is technically the greatest season in New Jersey Devils franchise history. Um, 112 points, 52 wins, that's a record. And just to think where this team was before the season started. The way we were talking about them before the season started. The first episode of 5 on 3, Samantha Boris said Lindy Ruff was going to get fired. And Tyler Mooney was like, right with her. He's like, yeah, he's on the hot seat. And he was on the and hot seat. And he was, yeah. And, he, and, and, you know, this is years of hard work in New Jersey, the business side of things, putting together a group of players that they knew, if given the right time and right support group, they could do great things. And I think that's what we're seeing right now, is that the New Jersey Devils are a great team because they have great young players that – albeit where almost all of them were here last year, a lot of injuries, goaltending, what have you. But now that there's been some stability, the players have been able to grow. And now you've got two players above 80 points uh, for the first time, uh, second time in Devils history since 05-06. I think it was Gianta and Gomez. And now it's Heashier and Hughes. you got Jesper Bratt, who's almost on a point per game. Dougie Hamilton, who's almost on a point per game. It, you get, the, the Devils have, have transformed. And they really the best transformation in NHL history, too, 49 points more this year than they had last yeah. year, <laughs> which broke the Detroit Rings, Red Wings record, excuse me, of 47. So, with like, I know we're we're gonna get to this with the playoff matchup we have. We we haven't alluded to it yet, but I'll 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 give you a little taste. Um, even if it goes poorly for the Devils, and I know that sounds like a nightmare to lose to your bitter foes in the first round of the playoffs. This season has already been so successful, and you have to think it's just year one of a very long dynasty. Should the Devils continue having stability and health, knock on wood, and good goaltending, then this group of players can be really, really scary for the rest of the Eastern Conference for five to eight years to come because they've got Hughes locked down for seven more years at half of what his value is. They've got Bratt, who they're going to re-sign. I would be confident they re-signed him now after the year he had. Um, he's going to get money, and he deserves it. He shears locked down long term. Like, this is a really, really good time to be a New Jersey Devils fan, even if the playoffs don't go well. But because we've seen how good they were, third in the National Hockey League this year, after picking second overall in the draft last year, you should be really excited about their chances this season. Um, and look, with their, with their uh, regular season record against the Rangers, 
it's going to be a team that you know what you're getting. And I wouldn't say that that having won three and lost one to the Rangers is it means they're going to win the series. Yeah, this is going to be a wild, wild ride, and I cannot wait. I do have a quick question, maybe a little prediction from you, Lou, just oh. to touch on the Devils. Okay. Um, in that game against the Capitals, sure. Mackenzie Blackwood, Oof. eleven saves, four goals against. Sorry, sorry, eleven shot attempts, seven saves, four goals against. Akira Schmidt comes in the game, goes a perfect twenty for twenty. There's no chance we see Mackenzie Blackwood in the playoffs, is there? We just talked about this off air. No, there's like we. I ran through the scenarios, and like even if Vanacek just completely collapses, the I think you'd get at least two games before they pull him. They'd go Schmid, and either they'd stick with Schmid, or if Schmid was bad, they'd go back to Vanacek. Blackwood's not touching the ice. James. Yeah, as much as it pains me to say that, because I, I've been a big fan of Mackenzie. He was supposed to be the guy. He, dude, 2019 when he came on the scene and, and shut out the Boston Bruins at the TD Garden. <laughs> In December, or I don't remember the exact date, but I remember watching that game and I was thinking, this guy. I remember this watching guy. him in preseason in like 2017 when he was first drafted. I went to a practice at the Rock and I was like, this guy is going to be a great goaltender. So I've had that, you know, somewhat of a personal connection watching him as a fan for years and having seen him up close, you know, in the locker room on the Devils beat, it's been really cool. And I've seen him play some ridiculously good hockey games even this season, but it's just too inconsistent. And I think. Honestly, he's not going to be a devil. I think we've seen him play his last New Jersey Devils game in that loss to the Capitals. That's a tough way to end it. I don't think he plays in the playoffs. And I think a change of scenery, perhaps in the Western Conference, would be really good for him and really good for a team that needs a goaltender. And if he can ha- stay healthy and have you know a stable environment, I really think he can blossom into one of the league's best goaltenders. He's, he has that talent. He has that ability. It's just been... It's been confidence and injuries for him. He's genuinely a really good goaltender, and it pains me to say that the Devils have two that are better than him, but that's also a, it's good, a, good, pro- it's a good problem to have because Akira Schmid, I've loved what I've seen from him, and Vitek, he's won over all the fans, so you can't be upset with a goaltending situation in New Jersey. Talking about not being upset with a goaltending situation, how about those New York Islanders? Lucky. They clinched. You're so lucky. They clinched. <laughs> The Stanley Cup playoffs on Wednesday. They beat the Montreal Habitants. Congratulations, you beat someone you're supposed to beat. <laughs> How's it feel? All right, I'll be leaving the studio now. Oh, yeah, Lou Orlando yeah. will be your... No, I am fully kidding. Ilya Sorokin faced Sam Montembeau. He's good. And, well, okay. Sorokin's good. Um, oh, Sorokin That's is good. Sorokin. That, yeah, that is something I wanted to talk about. Ilya Sorokin is really good. Shocker, he's good at hockey. They beat the Canadians 4-2 to two to secure their spot in the playoffs. The Hurricanes helped them out just yesterday by beating the Panthers, meaning that they do not have to play the Boston Bruins in the first round. Thanks, sweet baby Lord Jesus. Oh, yeah. And I'm Jewish. I don't know why I'm saying that. But it's okay. It's okay. Uh, and now they will play the Carolina Hurricanes, who just helped them out in the first round of the playoffs. I was at that game. It was a playoff atmosphere. UBS was rocking. Uh, I guess just before we go into playoff matchups, general thoughts on the New York Islanders and what their season looked like. You were, you've been gift wrapped this situation. Oh, like overall, again, I don't, I don't know how thrilled as an Islanders fan you are about this season as a whole. I think you like where you are when you come out of the regular Absolutely. season. You look at yourself. You're the four seed. You're the first wild card seed in the Metro, and or the first wild card seed in the Eastern Conference. You're playing Carolina. I think that's not only just the easier 
first round match or number one seed of the two. I think it's one of the easier first round matchups of any team in the East. But no, yeah. I, listen, I think that when you put everything into consideration, you consider that you lost Barzal for let's call it half the season, maybe it's more. About a third. Okay, a third of the season. You you lose Barzal. You're able to tread water. You're able to down the stretch the last two months actually win some hockey games, make up some ground, and put yourself right back into the playoff scenario conversations. You've extended Bo Horvath, so he's here for eight years. I think you know. I still have questions about the Islanders and their future, but I think over. I think overall, like. I don't know. I, you'd know better as an Islanders fan. I don't think you're too dissatisfied with that. You should be pretty thrilled. No, absolutely not. Um, you're right. I wasn't thrilled with the season in general, <laughs> especially going into the All-Star break. Um, playoff odds on January 27th, I tweeted this out a little bit ago. Uh, they were at 6.7% chance of making the playoffs <laughs> on January 27th. Since then, they went 19-9-4. and they absolutely made a joke of the Eastern Conference. I wouldn't say that, but calm down there. They 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 won the games they needed to win. Kind of. They won. Kind of. They won in the kind shootout of. once. Finally, until that. That's cool. Until that win in the shootout, uh, they had only one shootout goal <laughs> the entire season, and they had lost every single shootout. She's not a very good hockey. Team. Um, James, <laughs> quick thoughts on the Islanders, their season, and just how it all went. Yeah, just to add one more thing because I think we've we, we've basically we have an idea of what this team is going to look like they're going to hit you hard and they're going to have great goaltending yeah but I've been really impressed with bringing in guys from Bridgeport and how they've run like Hudson Fashion oh I yeah I bring him up and I will oh I'm, yeah I'm a Hudson Fashion I, fan I, 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 I'll let you because again you, you'll, you'll know the specifics closer than I am but Hudson Fashion has been I won't say revelation but he has been very much the like supplemental third line, fourth line winger that you want to have if you're the New York Islanders going into a playoff run. Oh yeah, specifically for their style of play, for the profile of players they look for. You look at their four lines, and you think like as an Islander fan, you think like this is right around where you want it to be. Absolutely. Yeah, can we I, I, can we dive into the playoffs? Yes. Yes. I'll dive in right now because with the way the Hurricanes mm. ended the season, three straight losses, and then. Uh, yeah. A couple of uh, not so good looks, especially in the last one against Florida. I'd be bullish about my chances if I were the New York Islanders. Right. I'm bullish about their chances if they take the series deep. Yeah. If they drop the first three games of the series, ooh. that that's your line. I think I think you dropped the first three <laughs> games. That's if you, you have drop the first two. Well, let's call it the first. You're two. right. It it is going to be the Ilya Sorokin factor. It's going to be. Because, quite frankly, the way the Islanders have been playing the regular season, they can't really play that way in the playoffs. They've been a lot more aggressive, but I feel like they're going to have to walk back a little bit of that if they're going to want to win these playoff games because they're just not going to sweep teams out for nothing with their incredible offense. That said, Matt Barzell will be playing in the first game. game And so Horvat and Barzell will return to action. They only played about six or seven games together. Um in the season, and they were remarkable together for that small amount of time before Barzell went down with the injury. So, let me ask you one more question. Sebastian Ajo, which one? You'll have to figure it out. That's a key question. But the point is, (laughs) this is going to be an exciting matchup. So, let's just get this out of the way. Prediction. Lou Orlando. I think I'll I'll take Islanders. I'll take Islanders in six, to be honest with you. I, I think you guys know I haven't been huge on Carolina. The final straw for me was 
getting Sveshnikov out for the season along with losing Pacioretty, those are huge losses to a team that I already think, like, Carolina's comp, if we're talking baseball, is like Tampa Bay Rays or some of that, right? Mm. Where it's like, or you could even go 49ers where it's like, in, in football, where it's like, they have a system, they have talent, but it's more their system. They play that four check unlike anyone else in the NHL. Yeah. But as a Rangers fan, I've seen the Rangers be able to counter that four check this year. This is the first time I've seen Carolina really struggle for long stretches where they had that four check hasn't just dominated yeah. teams. And so I was looking at whoever can get the first wildcard spot. If Carolina is the one seed in the Metro, like, that's a really good matchup. I've had my eyes on that for the Islanders for a while. Again, I'm looking at this through the lens of like, give me New York hockey matchups. Right. And knowing the Rangers were in the three seed, I was like, yeah, give me Islanders in the four seed so that they don't get knocked out by Boston. They can knock off Carolina. Carolina, again, not just the weakest one seed in the East. They're one of the weakest teams in the Eastern Conference right now, I think. And that's not saying that they're bad because the East is a gauntlet. The East is so good. But compared to all these really good teams, I think Carolina is a step down. My one worry is, I think the Islanders are the team that people thought people on the outside thought the Rangers were last year when people said the Rangers are carried by Igor. I don't think people gave enough credit last year to how like just the overall depth that the Rangers had, yeah. with, especially after they got Cop and Vertrano and Mott. Like the Rangers were a good team that had pretty solid offense and pretty good defense. The Islanders, I really feel like you're worried about their offense. They're going to need to be carried by Sorokin, and that's a huge part of whatever they do in the playoffs. James, prediction. I'm gonna go. We're all going to say the same thing. I'll go Islanders in seven. Wow. I, for as good as I thought the Hurricanes could be, I've seen signs of, even just from this season, not compared to last year, because last year, obviously, they were a wagon. This year, yeah. still probably you could consider them a wagon, but they, uh, I think it was after January, what you're talking about with the forecheck, they got beatable. They, they started to look a lot more beatable than they were. I don't know what the statistics are, their record from 2022 versus 2023. The Devils blew an 11-point lead in the division, and then the Hurricanes had like a 9-point lead that they almost blew. So there's been a lot of back and forth. They're not, they've are not; they not been the most consistent of teams. I think we got a visitor right quick. Ladies and gentlemen, standing 6 foot 3. three. No, I'm, 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 I'm more like 6 foot 1. I'm not sure if you guys can hear me right now. Can you hear me? Huh. We can't hear him. I don't, he's not in my headset, but uh, he's not in the headset. But he is looking time. fresh in the backwards baseball cap, the FUV polo. Check, check, check. Can you guys hear me? And Mike Calamari's on the air, and he is looking forward to talk some Devils Rangers. We're about to Should get into predictions. Stool? Pull a stool up, dude. Come on, sit down. It's uh, it's a little chaotic. This is not our normal. I mean, it's it's playoff time. I mean, it's, it's playoffs. Not, I've it's only got about, about five minutes, but I wanna, I wanna okay. be, I wanna just give my Devils Rangers take Speaking and prediction, and and then I'll give my prediction, and then maybe I'll let you guys just run with it, and I'll listen, listen back later. Is that beautiful? Work? Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm interning at MSG, and NHL Network is always on. So I've gotten crazy into hockey. The guy I work with is a huge Devils fan, so I'm always, you know, learning about the Devils. And the other guy I work with is a huge Rangers fan. So I'm following, you know, both teams a lot. And I'm a little worried that this Devils team is not, you know, going to be built for this playoff run. Are they physical enough to be able to play for it? They are young. They're athletic. They have a lot of scoring defensemen. They got like Dougie Hamilton, you know, Luke Hughes. Um, how is he going to fit on with the playoff picture? I-, I think this team is young. I think it's good. But given the fact that the Rangers have been there before and, you know, they have a guy like Igor when he's on, he, you, know, he's, you know, he's next to Vasilevsky, best in the game. I, I can get concerned, especially now that, you know, it's a New York-New York series. You know, the Rangers fans are going to pack the rock. Um, 
I think it's Rangers in six, although it, I, I would like to see the Devils win. Do you see goaltending issues with the Devils? And also, do you think Timo Meyer that acquisition, brought the physicality that the Devils might have needed, or is it not enough? I, I think Timo's been great. Um, I don't know if it's enough because this is a—I mean, this is a team that you know last season was not even close to playoff contention, and they've kind of turned that. And I know you know hockey's a sport where you know you can have those quick turnarounds, but I'm not totally sure. I think Vanacek is good. It's Vanacek, right? I wanted to make sure I got the yeah, pronunciation absolutely. right. I think it's good. You know, you know, Blackwood's good too. Obviously, he won't be starting the playoffs, but I think Vanacek's good. But I don't think he matches up with Igor. And playoff hockey is about having the hot goaltender, which is why I think Tampa Bay is, you know, going to be dominant during this run. But um, I, 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 that's where my concerns are with the Devils. And maybe, maybe you disagree. I don't disagree with a single thing you said. You, you, you got all the right points. Do I, did I get all the right points? Oh, yeah, you for nailed someone it. Who so, just picked, did someone so. just picked up So you agree with his prediction? I, don't, I didn't say the prediction. <laughs> ah. I said I agree with the concerns you raised about the Devils, and you're right to make those concerns. If you look at goaltender for goaltender, the Rangers are clearly superior in this category. For as good as Vitek has been for the Devils, he's not Igor. He's not an all-star, and that's fine. They didn't need him to be that. But in the playoffs, it's a different story. So it's playoff hockey. And... You're not. You're you're breaking ribs. You're jumping in front of shots. Are we going to see? Are we going to? Is this Devils team ready for that style? Are they ready for Jacob Trouba? This 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 series is not going to end without injuries. Oh, it's I'm Devils, counting on it. Devils Rangers. There's going to be blood on the ice. It's going to be awesome. I mean, and this is this is the other thing I was saying. Um, this is my last thing, and then I'll go. Where does this rank among New York rivalries? Is it bigger than Mets Yankees? <sighs> I think it's bigger than Mets Yankees. Nets, I don't think I don't think Nets Knicks is really Nets Knicks is not even on my radar. Not real. Giants Jets not really real. No. Now, I mean, after that, we're talking. I mean, Rangers Islanders. Rangers Islanders. Rangers Islanders is pretty Mets big. Yankees has the history that that. But it, I think it might even not. It might not. It might not even. I mean, there I think was no Met, subway Met, series yeah. until late nineties, and they Mets had Yankees is more series. of a fan thing than a team thing. I think like there's a, a legitimate These, team rivalry between Rangers and Devils. They're all. In the I same give division. the fan rivalry the advantage to Yankees Mets, especially if you're in New York City, you're always bannering with Mets fans. If you're a Yankee fan, and vice versa, but. I'd I'd say from a especially from a hockey perspective, I'd put Rangers Devils above Rangers Islanders, especially the last twenty to thirty years. Yeah, also, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. I got I got to bounce, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, I'm going Devils, but I think it's gonna be Rangers. All right. Hey, I appreciate you being on my team. Also, the uh, the Yankees and Mets wouldn't play each other unless if it's the World Series. So you also have to keep that in mind. That's cool. Um, because this is playoff hockey, and all of the New York teams can play each other, which is great. Uh, let's quickly go to yeah, let's go to Lou. Wait, you haven't said who you think's gonna win. Oh yeah, you should give your. Oh, Carolina, well, New York. Uh, yeah, let's let's finish up Carolina, New York, and then we'll go back to Rangers. Okay, Dallas, Carolina, New York. That's huge. That was huge. Electric. I got Alzen. Put that on the YouTube. I got Alzen six. So, so there is gonna be a second New York, New York matchup. Oh, I'm, absolutely. I'm hoping on. I'm counting well, on. For, the, for podcast purposes, New Jersey counts as New York. Although, yeah. Normally, I try I, nor, Normally, I try to say that the New Jersey Devils are not. A they're let's, different. They're different. They're not a New York team, but they're part of New York. New York yeah. Let's just say Manhattan will not be represented in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Oh, you suck. Yeah. Someone watches hockey. <laughs> It'll be Newark in the island. That's uh, that's all I'm gonna say. But let's. So that's my prediction for Rangers Devs. Uh, just really quickly. Um, I think Igor is gonna play incredibly well. I don't think that he'll necessarily have I think it will go six games um I just think the devil's offense is just overwhelming uh and I feel like they're gonna get some early leads that the Rangers 
quite frankly, the Rangers struggle to come back mm. after they are down early, and I think the Devils have it in them. I think Timo Meyer is going to show up to play. Um, and I'm looking for actually Dougie Hamilton to have a lot of apples in this in this uh, series. Well, that's that's kind of the game that the Devils like to play. Is, yeah. is they funnel it through the D-men, and that's why yeah. Severson and Hamilton have had the seasons that they've had. Um, and I, I don't want to say that like the Devils in six is like a it's it's so far from a lock. Even you look at how good it's so hard to predict this series though. It's it is the hardest to predict. So many different ways. Like the, you you're right. The Devils could jump out to two nothing leads at the start of each first period, but it's also. They've been a comeback team this year, too. They led the league in comeback wins with 26. So there yeah. could be games where they miss the entire first period, come to life in the second and third, and become a real mm-hmm. problem for the Rangers. The Devils have that element of surprise that we don't know what we're going to get, but they follow patterns and formulas where, you know, they start the game in a certain way, you can kind of get the idea. And that's 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 what's going to intrigue me, especially because they have it at home. Because this team had an underdog mentality for so long this season. You know, people, even when they were on a 13-game win streak, still saying, probably not a playoff team. And now they've gone and they've finished the league third, and Jack Hughes is breaking records, and you have all these players who now you're expecting to produce at a very high level come the playoffs, and only like three of them have ever played in the playoffs for the Devils. Right. And that is concerning. Sure. But it's also, or it's four, it's four, sorry. Brat, Heashier, Wood, and Severson. Hmm. Yes. So... And Miles Wood might not be in the lineup every night. I think a guy like Miles Wood, especially against the New York Rangers, you want in the lineup, yeah. even though he's been wishy-washy this year. I, I, I just there's so many different ways this could go, and I'm I'm, I'm biting my tongue so I don't say something mm-hmm. that right. comes back and haunts me a week from I'm, now I'm, when we sit down and record. I'm I'm, I'm scared to make takes. I'm lie. I said Jonathan Quick would be a king, so yeah. it, you can't really <laughs> See, like, get worse was, than that. That was clearly tongue in cheek. This is serious. This is Devils Rangers in the playoffs. This is. This is mad. This matters, I, Lou. When I when I when I asked when I asked Ryan when we had this discussion, it's like, can I do the Devils beat? I've been a lifelong Devils fan. Love hockey. Got a chance. I would love to do the beat report. I did not think that the Devils and Rangers were gonna be playing in the playoffs. No, this is a dream come true. This is everything. Prediction. I need a prediction. I'm gonna go Rangers in six. For content purposes, I'd really like to see a seven-game series, but I feel like this game, if this series goes to seven, it's not the Rangers winning. Uh, like if the Rangers, if the Rangers are gonna, uh, and, and I mean that by like the slimmest margins, I don't like. I just feel like if if this series becomes a battle, I get scared of New Jersey again. I said this off air. I'm gonna say it on air. Looking at the Eastern Conference teams as a Rangers fan, the top two teams that scares me it goes one Boston, and it goes two New Jersey, and. Part of that is the way that the Devils have played us this year. I think the Rangers have a target on their back. The Devils want to knock us out. I know we're saying, right, they don't have a ton of playoff experience. Guys, I see a ton of Rangers last year in the Devils. From their speed to just the way they play hockey, it's no secret. The Rangers have gotten slower. They've gotten more talented, but they've gotten slower. The We used to talk about the Rangers, even back to the Tortorella days, is they're a team that plays fast, and teams had to adjust to their speed. Rangers are going to have to adjust to the devil's speed. That's going to yeah. be something that we're going to talk with Galant about. It's something we already talked about post-game on Thursday. Mm. So, I mean, I don't know. I hope, I personally think that you get into the playoffs, the Rangers are going to get to that speed again. Having that experience from last year, I think, is going to go a long way. Having Igor is going to go a long way. Having the physicality of Truba and just this team, I think it's going to go a long way, and I think the Rangers are the better team, and I think they are going to win. I wouldn't be surprised if they win in six games, but... Man, these teams are just such good opponents for each other. Like, I wouldn't lie. This is probably one of the worst, from a Rangers perspective, this is one of the worst 
opponents you could have drawn in the first round. Yeah. For a content and for the city perspective, this is one of the best. One, one. even though I do have the Devils winning something I do like for the Rangers is that a lot of playoff hockey relies on depth. Mm. And I Rangers think the, the Rangers have the depth. This is the best to the Devils. Top, This is the best four-line rotation the Rangers, I think, have ever had. Absolutely. You're, you're talking about if your worst player is either Tyler Mott or Jimmy Vesey, you guys know how much I love Jimmy Vesey. If we're talking about that as the worst forward on their team, guys, that's a really good four-line. That's a really good four-lines. Uh, now, one thing I do want to throw out, because I think you guys both touched on it, the Devils and their ability to just turn on like a light switch and come back. Look at the Washington game. They're down 4-1. Islanders weren't able to come back from down to Washington. The Devils turn it on, and they win that game in overtime. And that's the dangers. The Rangers don't have that same jump. Like You said that like, the Rangers go down, not that they can't come back, but it, they're just not as explosive as New Jersey. New Jersey's got a little of that youthful hunger that like it scares you a little bit, dude. Like They're a scary team. Absolutely, I, I, we are running a little low on time, James. Jump in real quick. You said game set. Take your. I think shot. we can stretch this a little bit longer. That's okay. I well, know. well, I, I do have a fun little game for us okay. to wrap up the I episode. Okay. You, you okay. did have a point though, so I do want you to bring you it home. If it goes to seven, you really don't think you think it's going to be the devil. I think so. Well, I like, I like that idea in the sense that that would be really fun. Yeah. But that's game seven. That's that's Igor's. That's true. That's Igor's game. And and it's not that the Devils haven't... Look, Henrik Lundqvist was the Vesna winner in 2012. And the Devils scored some really nice goals against Lundqvist in that series. I'm not bringing that up to bring up bad blood. I'm yeah. bringing it up because it's relevant in yeah. the sense that Igor hasn't been the goalie he was last year. He's obviously still top three in the league at mm-hmm. the very, very least. I And the Devils have scored goals a lot this year. They've scored goals on Igor, but in a game seven... But here's the take: I don't think home ice matters in this series at all for either oh. side. I think, I think it actually—it might matter more at MSG. I, I think really. No, I think I think the I think the environment's gonna be lit. But I think as as opposed to like other teams where like like if you were to go into Tampa or if you were to go into Pittsburgh, like it's not again, it's not gonna be 100% Devils fans. There's gonna be Rangers yeah. fans at the Rock. There's gonna be. Devils fan, Devils fans got into MSG at one of the regular season games and got Devils chance, go- and got Devils chance going. Like I think, I won't say the home ice won't matter. It's gonna be more split and have less of an impact. I think. Like uh, if I'm a Rangers fan, I'm not thinking about man, Game Seven's gonna be at the Rock. Like that's not part of my my mindset really. That's probably good for the Rangers considering their home versus away splits in the playoffs last mm-hmm. year. Until the game seven in Carolina. They I, I fully thought we were losing that game seven in Carolina last year. The home team's just always going to win in this series. I went to, I went out to watch the game in a devil shirt and I went home getting made fun of and I deserved that. Yep. So, um, sure did. Yeah. I, I think that I think the Rangers actually probably love the idea of just having to travel. What is it? 11 miles. Oh, it's great. To go from the garden. Get sleep in your own bed and all that good stuff. Oh yeah. And then if, if they draw, I, if they, if they draw Islanders second round, like all of a sudden you're looking at back to back local series. Something I really want to talk about as we kind of draw back to the Eastern conferences, Eastern conference is a gauntlet. You're looking at all these teams. Something we saw with the Rangers last year was they got worn out by back-to-back seven-game series. And I yeah. do think a key is how much of the Eastern Conference teams going to beat each other up. Now, I've been saying that the Eastern Conference is way better than the Western Conference. But the Western Conference have more... All of a sudden, I looked up, the Western Conference have more 100-point teams than the Eastern Conference does. And that was a shock to me. How, how 
many teams do they have under eighty though? More than no, I think it's more. It's more top yes. heavy in the there. Or there, there's more worse teams. You mean in, under ninety? Under ninety, under eighty. They have four teams. Un, under oh, 70. you you mean yeah 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> they 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 just have a lot of teams at the bottom. Yeah. yeah. And that but that is, the top of the West is incredibly tight. Too. Yeah. So while I think like. Stars, Jets, if that if that is like, what it ends up being. Probably and, uh, by the way, Avs could win, and they would they would clinch that top yes. spot. I that, just from a podcast awesome. perspective, we haven't talked about the West enough, and it, it's tough because the East has been so good. Like all three New York teams are in. The I fully I fully slept on the Oilers this year, and like they're rushing into the playoffs. Like the Oilers are going to be Oilers. Could, I don't want to hop on the train too much because that's first how you out. that's how you get dangerous. I don't think they're going to be a first round out. I'm. I'm I'm just I'm more interested in the West than I've ever been at any point this season. Like the West has all of a sudden made itself interesting, but like going back to the East again, I still think that the best teams in this league are in the East. Boston having a first round matchup with Florida, who they're going to walk front ways, back ways, sideways. They're going to do whatever they want to Florida. They're going to win. They're going to sweep that series. Like if Boston get sweeps and early and like just quick series wins, like. They are going to be in such a good spot because I can't look and tell you the what Rangers are. Gonna... Imagine Florida wins. No, they're not. Well, what about Leafs Lightning? That's a seven-game series. I think Leafs win. Lightning. See, Leafs okay. are winning. Leafs have to win a series. If they don't win a series this year, the Leafs are just a joke franchise, and they're It'll never doing great. anything. The difference between the Leafs and the Lightning this year for me is the Lightning, even with Vasilevsky, have given up a lot of goals. That is true. They've given up. A lot more goals than any other playoff team except the Panthers. Hedman was out for a while. He was out for a while, but. What the Maple Leafs have is ridiculous scoring. Yeah, yeah. almost as the Leafs are the better team. It's just the one thing I I, I, I talked O'Reilly. about this. I talked about this with Nick at one point. I was I, I was talking through the playoff scenarios and I was like, I was like, oh, no one's talking about the Lightning. Oh yeah, really, crap, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> no one's that's really bad. That's really bad. If no one's talking about the Lightning, that's really bad. The that's kind of bad. the same way that no one talked about the Avs this year. All of a sudden, you look up and they might be the first seed, and they could cruise to the cup again. Like, oh, it's not good. Remember when everyone was trashing on I think that's. I think the West gets the when the West gets really interesting with Landeskog being out. Like, I think it opens it. It opens it up for Vegas. Oh, yeah. I think it does. I think it opens it up for Edmonton. I think Edmonton plays a role in this playoffs, guys. But yeah. We just covered a lot. So. We had to. I've, we had we, to cut. We, and we had so to. That was the Western Conference Atlantic. Division. That's that the beautiful. most we're ever going to talk about the West. Oh, until the that was beautiful. <laughs> now, to close this out, we'll do something a little fun. Obviously, it's the end of the season. We want to do some awards. But I thought, let's do some personalized awards because we have all been in the locker rooms of our per- respective teams, right? We've seen the players up close. We've been to a bunch of games. So... Keep your own team in mind here, mm-hmm. and just just give us an honest answer as an objective beat reporter. So I, I we'll start with the best player on the team. I feel like that's the easiest to start with. So James, start with the Devils. Who's the best player on the Devils? Probably Yegor. Sh- no, uh, Jack. <laughs> okay. Um, Ninety nine points on the year, and he didn't get to play all eighty two games. Would have would have hit the century mark if he didn't have that little injury. And uh, yeah, he was ridiculous. He's going to go down as the greatest devil skater in history. Lou, who's the best player on the Rangers? I think it's our time at Panarin. Really? Yeah. It's, I mean, listen, I think it's between him, it's between him or Igor. Yeah. Um, oof, it's, it's tough. I... It's Alex Romano. I'm, for, the, for this season, looking at this season as a whole. Yeah. Because I, I, I have to factor in this season, then it's Panarin. Because okay. Igor had his ups, Igor has ups and downs. Igor's a fantastic talent, but I think this year the best player's been out. Sure. Uh, for the New York Islanders, the best player this year was Brock Nelson. 
uh, led the team in points. Shockingly (laughs) not. Not just You know, maybe when when, when you get healthy scratched in three of the last four games of the season, Mm -hmm. but he was on the ice uh, for the last game. Anyway, yeah, Brock Nelson carried the team when injuries were plaguing it, uh, led the team in points. He and Anders Lee really just steered the steered the team in the right way. I talked to him after the game on Wednesday, talked to him about leadership. He's a complete player. Moving on to the next category, James, who's the most underrated player on the Devils this year? I love this one. I love this one because the Devils specifically have so many players you can choose from. You just get one. You could really pick any one of their defensemen, so I won't. I'm going to go with Tomas Tatar. I loved okay. Tomas Tatar's game this year. He had a really bad season last year. A lot of fans wanted him gone. And he, like, beginning of the season said, I was so disappointed in myself. I want to win so badly this year. And he's a 20-goal scorer, 45 points. Been very, that, that's the kind of player that, like, the Devils needed for the last 5, 10 years from their, like, guys that they, like, hey, we have some kind of good players in Taylor Hall, Kyle Palmieri. Can we throw these guys in and can they be those secondary contributors, and they haven't been that. Tomas Tatar has been that, and he's also had, I think he has the best plus minus in the mm. NHL this year. Oh, wow. He's um, good. He's a good player. He's been so great both mm. ways, on the power play, penalty kill, and even strength. Little guy, too. Love a little guy doing it in the NHL. Oh, yeah. Tomas Tatar, I, and I, I was always a big fan of his before he came to the Devils, so a little biased, but I've really been impressed with his game, his growth. I think he's incredibly underrated. You guys can already guess who I'm going to go with for the New York Islanders. Of course, the answer, unless if you're blind, is Hudson Fashing. The dude has showed up and outperformed anything that was remotely expected for him. He came out of Bridgeport. Uh, Just a remarkable skill for putting the puck in the net in just any way that he can. The dude can snipe. The dude has a ridiculous one time that I don't think is talked about. Uh, He tips... He is remarkable hand-eye coordination. He can put tips in like he's Anders Lee. Like he's um, Chris Kreider. Like he's Chris Kreider. Yeah. Like he's any of these. He He's, you know, he's not often sitting in front of the net, but when he is, you feel good about a puck coming in from the blue line. Uh, Lou, who is the most underrated player on the New York Rangers? It's like low key, not really Jimmy VC, but no. The real, the real, and no, that's not, it's not, it's not, it's not. The real answer is Philip Heedle. Uh, yes. Philip Hill does not get talked about enough, and I think part of the reason is that the Rangers have a lot of talent. But coming into this year off of that postseason, eyes were on Hedo like, hey, take that leap. And he did. And honestly, so did, I think, all three of the kids. When you look up, Hedo leads them. Especially Kako. Hedo leads them at 45 points. Kako ends the year with 40 points. Yeah. Lafreniere ends with 39. You think about, there was a point in the year where we were talking about Lafreniere is a bust. He can't get a point to save his life, and Kako wasn't doing much either. To see the, what the kids have done, but particularly Heedle. Heedle has clearly emerged as the best of the three, the most powerful, the most dynamic of the three. 22 goals, 23 assists. He gets his four-year, $4 million extension. That's a steal for the Rangers. They lock up a center that they're going to need for the future. Heedle's going to be, and the kids in general, are going to be a huge part of what the Rangers need to do this postseason. All right. So we've all been in the locker room. Oh, sure. We've all talked to the players. Yes. So I'll start with you, Lou. Who was your favorite player to talk to and why? Oh, it's, it, again, it, I'm doubling up here. Ward goes to Artemi Panarin. We joked about hair. Like, I, I went up and I said, oh, you have great. Actually, you 
guys kind of have similar. Yeah, that's and that was actually First I was like, of all, I, was, I just noticed. I, that. I barring get, your a host, you got the lettuce on this show yeah. is remarkable. Yeah, no, we have good hair, but I I, I just finished asking him a question. That I I saw the lanes as I was walking away. I just shot him and went, "Hey man, love your hair." And it's like we got it. We understand. We have the yeah. same. We have the same hair. He's like, we just had a good. There was a good interaction. There was a good back and forth. Love it. I like Nika too, but he, like he's like soft spoken. He gets kind of cute sometimes. But no, Panarin, Panarin's hilarious. James, who, when when you get into the that locker room, who's got a smile on their face after win? Who's happy to talk to you? True, truthfully, everyone is pretty nice. Um, I haven't talk to as many players as I'd like to. Like, I stand there next to Jack Hughes, and he just wants to get out of there. You know, Jack Hughes sucks the media. He, he has fun with it, though, so I can't blame him. The kid's always smiling. I, I, I'd like to be able to say I've had to I've had a chance to talk to him. Timo Meyer um, actually laughed at something I said, so I might have to go with Timo. There you go. But Damon Severson, I think, gave me some good quotes a couple times. Mm. And he's the longest-tenured devil, so I've always been, like, trying to get his perspective on things long-term, and he's been good with that. So I'm going to go Damon. He's a guy I hope sticks around in New Jersey after his contract runs. Nice. Hmm. Mine is a tie. Uh, I don't know how this works. All right, fine. <laughs> no, you can do it. You can. Yeah, it's a tie, and it's for and it's for a good reason. There's a connecting theme. Okay. The two best players to talk to are, and in no particular order, it's Kyle Palmieri, New Jersey, and Zach Parisi, New Jersey. Oh, they are two veterans who understand the game of hockey. To get it. To, to to a remarkable degree. <laughs> That's a good job. These these two guys. <laughs> <learned> from Merritt Zitlitsky. <laughs> these two guys. They they just they they understand the game better than anyone else in that locker room. They have they. Sure, they're in the twilight of their careers. Fine, but they have probably the best vision on the team, and also they have great patience with the puck. So whenever you're talking to them. They will always give a detailed and an interesting answer, and that always helps me out when I'm writing my and recording my beat reports. So the last question, and I'm well, sure... That, real quick, I would, first, oh, Samantha yeah, Bohr, yes. her answer would be Jacob Truba. She loves Jacob Truba. Shout Truba's out Sam Bohr, Jacob Truba, love of her life. Yes. Rangers uh, 7-1-0 when Truba scores a goal. Wow. Yeah, baby. Uh, this answer is going to change because we're going into playoff hockey. Okay. But what was the best game you went to this year? I will start, and I'll give you guys a little I, I bit of time. Right. Uh, yeah, it was. It had to have been Wednesday. Sure. Uh, I already talked about it, so I don't need to go into it again. It was a playoff atmosphere in a regular season game, and that's all I have to say. Uh, never heard that arena so loud. It was nice. I went to Springsteen last weekend. Still not as loud. I mean, that place was rocking. Okay. So we'll go to James. Okay, before I go... Five minutes ago, the Washington Capitals just fired Peter Laviolette. Oh. So oh. that is breaking news. Sure. Five on three. Just to, They're all going down. That's probably the right decision. Sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's been a long time since Peter Laviolette was leading the uh, Philadelphia Flyers in the playoffs. Yep. Uh, it's, those days have passed. Hmm. Favorite game? Hmm. This year. <laughs> I, I mean, I have... The, the Devils won, like, four games in a row in OT that I went to. And those hmm. all, like, those... Talk about playoff atmospheres at a place you haven't heard be loud in a while. The Devils had that four or five times, man. It was, sure. It's, it's hard to pick. Um, I'll go recent, though. I think uh, the Sabres game on Tuesday. Yeah. Hughes, Hughes breaking the record. Uh, Special. Luke, Luke getting his debut. That And that was being the final game. It was genuinely just a celebration of what was a great season. And I like it. Yeah. So I'll go with, I'll go with Tuesday, although... 
Devils Rangers. I talked about that That's pretty on good. the podcast a couple weeks ago. Just being there for that meant everything to me. So that might be it too. I can't pick between those. Two. I I I, I have my answer. Go ahead. I had to, I, had, I had to double check the date. January twelfth, two thousand twenty three. Keandre Miller ties the Dallas Stars at one with point. Eight seconds left oh, man. in regulation. Oh, I Rangers remember proceed that. to go down. Adam Fox scores the overtime goal, the game winner, maybe a minute later. I'm sitting next to the legend, Don LaGreca. And I turn to him. I First, I think I scream when Miller ties it. And then I turn to him and I go, is that good? And he looks at the monitor and he confirms to me that it's good. So I was Let's the go, first Johnny. person that Don LaGreca told that the goal was good. So to have that moment next to Don LaGreca, to watch that... That's like you know you're not supposed to really be like a fan on like the Chase Bridge when you're in the press box like you're yep. supposed to be controlled. That went out the window for everyone you, when that goal happened. You know what I've loved being on Beat Reports. You know what I've noticed? Everyone's a fan. And that you know what I think at least for at least for hockey compared to that I've only done baseball as the other one. It's a lot more loose in terms of how much you can react as opposed to other sports. Like I think you get looked at funny if you screamed during a baseball game when something big happened. Like. You can kind of get away with screaming on the chase bridge. It's loud enough where it kind of gets hidden. Yeah. Like, also, other people are celebrating. Like, it's not like, oh, yeah. especially for the Rangers, like, you're next to, you're kind of next to fans because there are fans on the chase bridge a little bit further down. But no, I think there's a little bit of flexibility with how much you can emote during the games. And I plan on emoting during the playoffs. I'm going to emote too. I'm probably going to do the default. Yeah. <laughs> We're yes. going to hit some Fortnite dances. Oh, are we for sure? Um, I just, the fact that every, because I, I want to say this, this is fun. Everyone on press row is a fan. Like, yeah, yes. Always. And where my seat is at the Prudential Center, I think they moved me, but I've been sitting in the same seat anyway. Sorry. Oh. Because um, no one else does it. I'm right in front of the PA addresser, and right next to that are like the NHL stats guys who always like they're yelling out, uh, shot 86, blocked 87 blue, like stuff like that. That's a blast. And like when the Devils score, like those guys, you can hear them high five each other. Like, <laughs> they, like they live in your, like they're clearly fans, and everyone wants to have fun, and that's what it is. Um, at soccer games, like I've fully like shouted at like a shot hitting the crossbar, oh. and it's never been a problem. Okay, yeah, but that's also outdoor, so that's different. Uh. I'm like I'm like by the benches, like I'm away from the fans there, but that's different. Devils, like you can't like you can't fully like shout mm. on, on the press, but, but like it's the playoffs. Uh. I think we're gonna. There'll, there'll be some leniency. I, you can't tell me I'm gonna watch a Devils Rangers playoff game go to OT and not be able to react when the. Oh, of course. No. You you wouldn't be human if you town, didn't. Man. Get out of town. Daddy. You know, you're not going to get better stories than this. You're not going to get better energy than this. Nope. And it only comes on five on three. And you're not going to get better analysis than this. Uh, from me, Lou, and Nick on Twitter, five on yes. three, and Sam. And Follow us Sam. on Twitter. And Shout out Tyler Mooney. Love Tyler Mooney. The Moon Man. In Italy right now. Some of that. The Definitely in so here. that will do it for us here on hell of five a regular on season, three. Boys. Hell of a regular season. To the offs we go. Hey, 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 good game. Hey, hey, good game, boys. Good, good game. game. Good game, Ralph. Might have to chirp you a little bit. In there. This, this has been five on three WFUV's hockey podcast exclusive, exclusive content here. That will do it for us here. I am Nick Palmer, your a host, alongside Lou Orlando, James Burley, and it is Ralph Barberi. With the audio and video production tonight, work these tissues look brown. And burning the candle at both ends, Lou Orlando just hit the microphone. We will see you all in the playoffs. We'll see you all in the playoffs. That'll do it for us here, everyone. <laughs> and the Capitals. Christ. Have a great night, everyone. The East is ours.